Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can give a call 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. Alex is going to be answering the phone. He just needs your first name and where you're calling from. Don't bother trying to explain to him what he uh, the question you have or what your concern is or your ideas or anything else, because he could care less. No, he really cares a lot. But, it, Mr. Kelly, Yo. So how about all this? Isn't this news just totally wild? How do you keep up with all this? Uh, well, you got to take breaks every now and then. I it, mean, it, good it, it gets a little overbearing for right. sure. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be heavy duty on your shoulders. Yeah. And that's why and I took vacation a couple of weeks ago and, and you just try to stay away. Social media, it, you know, because it, 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 you're, you're so into it. You're so looking at it. What's going on? What's right. going on? It's like a train wreck. You know, you got to watch it. So you do have to take breaks, no question about it. And then hearing about Bob Gibson, it's like, oh. gee, many Christmas. You know, we just lost Lou Brock. Uh, we lost Larry Wilson recently. Red Shane East wasn't that long ago. Right. And and it's just like, man, all these these heroes that we grew up with. I mean, I remember right. Bob Gibson, and I think I was there in 68 when he set the record. I was seven years old, so I'm, I think I was at that game. And I actually bought, or my parents bought for me, a blow-up Cardinal pitcher. It, it, it's a little doll to blow up, and it stands on one foot, and it's like halfway through a motion. Oh, you're kidding. And I remember bringing it home and naming it Bobby. I named it Bob <laughs> after Bob Gibson. And I still, ha- <clears throat> I still have it. Really? <clears throat> it doesn't hold the air real well. It'll, it'll kind of start falling down after a couple days. But, yeah, I found it about two years ago, and I was like, this thing is awesome. Amazing. You know? So, uh, and also, if I can tell another quick story, I think it was the night of his no-hitter. I was at my brother's apartment. He was in law school. And I looked over at him. I would have been, this was 71, right? So I would have been like 10. And I, and I looked over and he's, he's studying law books and they're really thick and they're really little letters. They have no pictures. And I said, I am not going to be a lawyer. <laughs> and I think that was the night he threw the no-hitter. <laughs> so, yes. Man, uh, you got quite a the few memory. Bob Gibson memories. <laughs> I guess they're accurate. I mean, I, like I said, I was pretty young at the right. time, but I put them all together, so... They make good stories. Yeah, you know? I had no idea it was 84. Yeah. Man, yeah. oh, man. Yeah, it's that just is sad. Hard. And you know, as tough as he was, he fought that as hard as anybody can. Sure. You know, 
Right. So we lose another legend. So yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah, it's very tough for sure. Yeah, I don't think the legends of today or the recent you know past mm-hmm. are going to be anything like the legends of long ago. Well, the legends of our childhood are always bigger than life, sure. you know. But I gotta say, Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina oh, gotta be true. right up there. That's true. you know true. those those guys are really special. Very true. Yeah. Well, thanks, Brian. You bet. Saturday morning. Yes, it is Saturday morning. I think. Or is this Friday or is this Tuesday or what What day is this? I, I don't have any idea. Anyway, we have a roundtable discussion about your landscape or your garden spaces or get those houseplants cleaned up that you have outside because they're going to have to be coming in pretty soon. And, uh, well, what is a potting mix and why should you use potting mix versus potting soil? How to improve your soil? Should you be doing any kind of pruning? You know, I always say don't prune broadleaf evergreens going into the wintertime. But I was at a, I was walking through the neighborhood and some people have, they have spectacular boxwood hedges, but they've been pruned recently. And what happened is they pruned them and the sun's still been intense. So now all the exterior leaves that are exposed are sunburned. So they have a brown tint to them. So that's why I always say watch out when you're going to do pruning on broadleaf evergreens. Anyway, hopefully my information will help you make good decisions and uh, solidify your options. Final judgment is going to be, of course, on your shoulders. And this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car, the Internet, or wherever, your computer, wherever you happen to be listening. Another important player, as I said before, is Alex. He's back producing. He had last week off. They've, they're expecting a child in December, so they're trying to get everything all cleaned up and ready to go so they don't want to, like, all of a sudden be <gasps> you know, caught. But uh, very, very good tempo, just like he is here with putting things together, him and his wife and Carter, their son. So I guess you put him to work as well. <laughs> anyway, the Garden Hotline I've been hosting since 1994, and uh, I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation. I had a consultation this past Wednesday in the city near Francis Park and two different homes, a home where the people actually lived, and then they have a rental home close by Francis Park as well. It's really kind of a cool place. House built in 55 and uh, really a neat architecture and everything else and great backyard and some nice plantings and everything else. But uh, like, you know, a lot of circumstances where when the plants were originally put in, they were fine, but now they've they survived, which was good, but now they're much too large for the space and everything else. So anyway, that's a walk and talk. So uh, if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and uh, contact me, and we'll set up a time and everything. Well, let's get moving. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Since fall has just started, boy, the air was really co- not as cool this morning as it was. Was it yesterday or the day before? I can't remember. But anyway, it was cool still when I stepped outside. The sun was barely highlighting to the east because it's so early, you know, when I have to take my good gardening stroll because I have to make it here in time and everything else. But here I am in Arundis and Bates Street, the small grove of redbud trees with yellowing foliage and those pea pods hanging down, those seeds. A clump of pamper—actually, two clumps. Two clumps of pampas grass. Man, these things are spectacular. I'd say the floral stalks are probably 12 feet high plus. 
There's a hose that's unrolled between the garden you know, spaces. So somebody's been out watering. And lucky, too, that somebody's been watering because if you haven't been watering, your plant material may look fine, but the root system's going to be, you know, kind of in a in a bind, let's put it that way, because it's been dehydrated. So if we do have a real kind of tough winter, it could make a major impact. And color-wise, zinnias and marigolds, wow, perfect fall color with those, those particular plants. These individual plots... Some have been retired for the season. Others have tomatoes and peppers and Brussels sprouts and okra. I mean, I didn't realize okra got quite that tall. Some of these are, they still got some uh, okra pods on the ends, but uh, the stalks are probably maybe five foot plus feet. And there's robins bouncing around all over the place. And crickets were adding background harmony. The basil is finished. So it's went to flower and, ooh, Foliage, I kind of rubbed my fingers on some of the foliage. Maybe I shouldn't have done that because it wasn't my garden plot, but I did anyway. And there is still some nice fragrance to the foliage. But uh, other things, there was a bed that had gourds in it. Now, I don't, you know, I go to this spot, you know, kind of every few months because it's close by and I think it's kind of a unique community garden circumstance. But it had gourds and some of the gourds were laying on the, you know, in the bed space, so they just didn't quite harvest all those. There were some sunflowers with the heads drooping down. Uh, stormwater intake area, where the rain garden is, ask when is it going to rain? Well, according to Brian Kelly or the weather people, it's going to rain today. It's going to be interesting. Uh, rebel mulberries and honeysuckle. They were kind of nature's touch to the actual sign. Holly Hills Community Garden, Gateway Greening, Holly Hills Improvement Association, the sign notes. Uh, ground and lawn is spiced with leaves from ash to zelkovas. Zelkova is a cousin to the elm trees. Uh, had blown in from near and far, so it was a nice day to be in the Holly Hills Garden, community garden area. So that, it's kind of a neat plot. And <laughs> there was quite a few tomatoes or tomato plants that still look pretty good. And uh, they need to harvest those tomatoes. And as a gentleman called a couple weeks ago and said, just take those green tomatoes and put them in a paper bag, and then you're going to have ripe tomatoes. So that's what they need to do. Mike Miller, KMYS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. First call of the day, Lake St. Louis, and that's where Jane lives. Hi, Jane. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Several-pronged question here having to do with getting rid of a flower bed covered in creeping Jenny. Uh, and I want to cover it with sod, so I'm thinking that May might be the month. Um, but then do I pull out the Creeping Jenny or do I do the Roundup deal and kill it? And if I kill it, how long will that take, you know, to work backwards? Well, this, you know, in this, you know, herbicides this time of year are pretty ineffective. When that, so, yeah, I talk about spring. Okay, but even in the spring, because of the temperatures, you know, until the weather starts warming up, you're not going to be able to do too much. So I would get out there and physically remove as much as you can. Now? Yes. Or in May? No, I would do it now. Unless okay. this is a, you know, a situation where you have to worry about erosion and things along that line. 
No. But if you don't have to worry about erosion, I'd get as much physically pulled out. Then in the springtime, when you start to see the uh, you know remaining growth coming back from the root system that is still in the ground and everything else, then you can go after it with an herbicide at that point. Okay. And then um, I've seen some things on YouTube where they say to scrape off the top and put in new topsoil before I laid down the sod. Well, adding probably you don't have to necessarily scrape off the top, but just add, you know, to the existing soil, uh, maybe a a combination of topsoil and compost together, like an inch or two, and but blend it in with the existing soil. Okay, that'll do it. Thank you so much. I appreciate all your help. Certainly, my pleasure. Okay, yeah. bye-bye. Let's head from Jane's yard to Matt's yard. Hi, Matt. Hey, how are you? Good. Hey, um, I have some, uh, I believe it's y- yucca or y- uh, a Mexican kind, yucca to yucca plant. It's kind of a, it kind of looks like grass and like asparagus kind of looking thing, kind of grows from the middle. Are you familiar with that? I don't know. I I know yuccas, but I don't know. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think it's. I believe it's a yucca. Okay. Um, I I'd like to remove those, and I have they're they're pretty mature and pretty big. Right. Um, what's the best way to do that? And can I plant anything else where they were? Well, to be honest with you, they have a huge deep taproot because they're really from native to areas that have really kind of dry circumstances. In other words, like desert circumstances. So. I mean, to dig them out is really brutal. So if, you, if you're not opposed to using an herbicide, I'd go out there and probably it's too late this year, but you could try it if you want to. And then make an, uh, another application in the springtime. Go out there and beat them up with like a baseball bat or something. Then spray herbicide for, that would kill, I mean, a strong herbicide that will kill like woody plants. Even though they're not woody, they're okay. still extremely tough. So that's what okay. that's the approach I'd take. Okay, and if I can I replant something in its place or probably, I, I not would, for a while. Yeah, I'd probably wait for once probably one year. So maybe just put some okay. mulch over the spot because like I say these deep these tap roots can go down 6 feet, which seems unbelievable. And um, if a little bit of the tap root exists, it could take it a full year before it's going to be able to push out any kind of new foliage growth. And then consequently, then you're going to kind of have a, a nightmare if you try to plant something over the top of it too soon. Okay. Okay. Make sure. Yeah, we just got the house, and I think they're pretty ugly. So. <laughs> yeah, they're they're really industrial. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Aesthetically, yeah. okay, they don't thank have. You for your help. Okay. Great. Thank you. Yeah, some people like them because they're tough and durable and blah blah blah. But uh, aesthetic wise. I think they just look like a fancy weed, personally, but uh, that's my own personal choice. Now, when they're in flower, they're okay, but uh, I can't say that I'm all that's up to, or, uh, let's say, stri- stricken with the flowers, the white flowers. Anyway, let's head over to Nancy Jarrett. Hi, Nancy. Hi. I'm, um, I want to put down some mulch, and I was wondering uh, how, how deep should I, how thick should it be? Uh, around trees and shrubs, no more so than... This is this is just some... Bare ground, and I want to put mulch on it because the grass won't go, grow there, but weeds will. Okay. And uh, I just want to protect it or keep it, you know, keep the weeds out. So, you know, well, then probably, and there's nothing growing in the area at all? Just Not right now, okay. no. 
I would say then probably any place between two and four inches. Two to four inches. Right. Okay. Two inches is going to be minimum, and uh, four inches is definitely maximum. Okay. And I read in one of my books that you could put the mulch right up to the, there's grass right by it, by this place, and it said you could put mulch right up to the grass. You don't need to put down a uh, a barrier of any kind. Well, I mean, if you don't, you know, is it is this perfectly flat or is this on a slope or anything? It's not on a slope, but okay. it's not perfectly flat. Well, it, you know, if not we on have a hard, big slope. Yeah, if, if it's slight, even on a slight slope, if we have, you know, really hard rains, it's going to bounce it into your lawn. There's no mm-hmm. so. Well, this I mean, is right next to the house, right? Where it hardly, where the rain hardly ever gets. Okay, then you should be okay. But still, I mean, the you know, the sort of delineate the lawn area from the mulch area with some kind of edger. That's, I mean, aesthetically, that's what you need to do. But other than that, you don't have to, you know, put an edger at all. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. And, I mean, you can cut an edger even with a spade. I mean, spade cut edge is something that hardly anybody does anymore. But, uh, or just what leave it as is. What do you mean by spade cut edge? Uh, that's like taking a spade and turning it backwards and driving it straight down into the ground. And then you're, you're kind of making a V cut between where the mulch is going to be and where the lawn is growing. Mm-hmm. It's a lot okay. of work. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. just leave it as is. Okay. Well, thank you. Sure. And let's get another call. Let's go to West County and into Ann's yard. Hi, Ann. Yes, Mike. Can I plug zoysia this time of the year or do I have to wait till spring? Uh, you probably, you mean you have zoysia in your own yard, you're going to try to plug your own? Yes, sir. I would say if you go to a garden center and they don't have any zoysia for sale, I'd say don't do it. And I don't think they do have it for sale. So I would say it's really getting late. Okay. Wait till spring. Yeah. I mean, we never, you never know what the weather's going to do. But for it to get as well established enough, because the ground's already, surface is already starting to get cool because the cold season annual weeds are already starting to germinate. And they don't germinate until the ground is cool, which seems kind of crazy, but that's, you know, what the situation or, or it doesn't, they don't actively grow. Let's put it that way. So I think it would be a lot of work and you end up with uh, nothing but a lot of work and no, let's say, aesthetic no, advantage. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. And let's see, should we take a break? Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, but we do have some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And I will say, even if it's going to rain like they're predicting, uh, you should actually be out there if you haven't watered recently and get your water going. What that does is it will soften the soil so if it does rain today, then it will penetrate deeper into the ground. Because if your ground is really dry and it rains, it could just run off the surface and not actually soak into the ground so it's not going to be to the advantage of your plant material. So just realize that. Let's head over to Jay's yard now. Hi, Jay. Hey, Mike. Hi. Thanks for taking my phone call. I appreciate listening to your show. Well, thanks. <laughs> um, listen, just a quick question. We've got a, a rose bush right out in front of our um, our home in Maryville here, and uh, we uh, uh, it's right in front of the porch. Um, and this year it's been beautiful. 
great blooms, good-looking plant, uh, good flowers and everything, but it's really grown pretty tall, and it's blocking a lot of the stuff that my wife decorates on our porch for fall, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm wondering, can I go ahead and cut that rose bush back? Uh, what's the best time to cut a rose bush back? Uh, that, that's kind of my general question. Basically, the shrub roses or most of the roses you should let go until they've completely stopped flowering and let some of the rose hips, which will be the little balls at the end of the stems where the flowers were, let those sort of like form because that tells a rose, yes, it is definitely wintertime. Yes, the days are getting shorter. Yes, I need to go to sleep. So leave it as long as you possibly can. And if you're, you know, your wife or you are upset because of its blocking the view, Maybe in the future, in the springtime, think about moving it to a different location so you don't have to worry about you know pruning it and blocking views and everything okay. else. Okay, so I could do that in the spring? Yes. Uh, just relocate the, the bush itself? Right. So in the springtime, right. uh, you don't want to do it too late, but you don't necessarily want to do it too early because of the ground being cold. But uh, roses start showing up in garden centers. Bare root roses will start show, showing up in like February, early March, and then regular roses will start showing up April, May. So sometime okay. within that transition period. Okay, so so for now, just let it go a little longer. I do I do know what you're talking about. Those balls are forming on the on the ends of right. the uh, of the bush. So I'm seeing those, but wait, let it go a little bit longer. Right. Probably Sounds until good. at least you know towards mid to late October. Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much, sir. Enjoy your show. Well, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Let's head over to Tony's yard, and he lives in St. Peter's. Hi, Tony. Hello there, Mike. Listen, I've been listening to you for over 100 years now. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Good morning. (laughs) I got a hermicolis or a daylily uh, here. Have you got any suggestions? I'm looking for a daylily that has the same blooming habits as a Stella Diora. Or is there a... a daily society or something. Yes, there is. For- I would go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website, and they list all the different you know plant societies that meet. And I think the daily society meets you know at the botanical garden, so that'll have the information on contacting them. I Good. think there's there's actually a couple different daily societies, and uh, so that's who I'd what I'd do is I'd start that's at the I'll botanical do. garden and go from there. Okay, thank you, sir. Again, you come through like a champ. <laughs> Have so, a good day. Yep, you do the very same thing. And the Missouri Botanical Garden website is mo, M-O, bot, B-O-T, and then dot org. So. Mo, say that, Mo, I got the M-O. M-O, and then B-O-T, and then, okay. dot, then dot O-R-G. So Missouri Botanical Garden Organization is basically what it is. Thank you very yep. much. Have fun. And, you know, I still, I'm looking out the window now, and I don't know. It just didn't feel like rain this morning when I was out. But, and uh, I mean, it is cloudy, but it's just, I'm still a little bit apprehensive. Let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi. Uh, good morning, Mike. I'm in Shrewsbury. Ah. I always have questions this time of year about pruning. I have uh, paniculata hydrangeas, uh, about three or four different uh, varieties. Um, what do I do with those? I would say with the hydrangeas, don't prune until we come out of wintertime. You can cut off the spent flowers if you want, but other than okay. that, I would just leave them alone. Okay. I have two um, non-invasive um, varieties of honeysuckle. Honeysuckle shrub or vine? 
it's vines. Yeah, one of them is called that Major General. I think it's was right. called. It's red. The other ones produce um, really pretty uh, pink and yellow flowers. So you're asking about pruning? Yes, sir. Do are I they, prune it? These are evergreen varieties, I'm assuming. No, these are vines. Um, right. they're, they're climbers, yes. So, But they are evergreen or not? I'm not sure what you mean by evergreen. They hold um, on their leaves through the wintertime? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, right. That's what I thought because most of the vine honeysuckles do that. I would just leave them alone. Okay. Um, I've got um, bluebeard, three bluebeard plants uh, called uh, Little Miss Sunshine. And uh, they didn't bloom until like September, and they were covered with blue flowers. And they're beautiful. Uh, They're losing. Do I prune? When When they finish flowering, then you can cut, you know, you can cut them back, but that's a normal time when they normal, normally should be blooming. Right, correct. Uh, they still have they still have their blooms on them. I don't know whether I should prune them going into winter or wait on them. You can just leave it until springtime or until we come out of wintertime and then cut off the, all the spent flowers at that time. Just Okay, and yuck, <clears throat> yucca cherry blossom, uh, Deutsche, D-E-U-T-Z-I-A. I have three of those. They're called... Petite shrubs, and they uh, they bloom in the spring with uh, covered with little pink and white flowers. And um, this is their first year that they've you know that they I planted them last year, mm-hmm. and they were just spectacular. So anything that's been planted within the last couple of years, I say no pruning on whatsoever. After that, then you can you know think about pruning. But okay. anything that flowers in the springtime, you prune right after it finishes flowering. Oh, okay. Can can I? Uh, uh, it's it's got long, kind of long branches that have sort of spread out. Can I clean that up a little bit? And, if you want, uh, yes. Shape it, you know, so it's more round. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate your help and your time. I never know about pruning, so <laughs> it's such. A, I don't want to ruin anything, you know. Right, and most people prune. You know, they they prune not necessarily according to what the plant wants. They prune to what they want. So. Right, Put exactly. Put the first. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mary. <laughs> thank, thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Sure. And now let's head over to Jennifer's yard. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Mike. I have a hibiscus plant growing close to my house, and it blooms beautifully in the summer. And it has grown to almost five feet tall. And it's covered now with those dried seed pods. Mm-hmm. I usually don't cut it back. Every, you know, like for the winter. Right. But I wonder if I should be, and if I should, how much do I cut? Uh, you don't need to prune going into wintertime. If you want to, you can, but you can wait until early in the springtime before the new growth begins and do the pruning at that time. So it's really a personal call more so than anything else. Oh, so, so cut it back in the spring? Yeah. Like okay. I said, early spring before any kind of new growth, before any leaf emergence or anything. And I just kind of let the dead pods stay on it. Yeah, why not? Okay, thank you. Yeah, a lot of times we try to keep, you know, plant material, let's say, as clean as we keep the inside of our homes. And the plant material don't need that. It's only, uh, you know, people that do it uh, that are a little bit, I don't want to say prune nuts. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Well, I'm not a pruner, but I just don't want it to look like, you know, to the neighbors that there's this five-foot weed growing in my front yard. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Okay, sure. 
<laughs> yeah, until the neighbors come over and tell you, get that thing cut back. I would say don't worry about it. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Sure. Let's go to Jean's yard. Hi, Jean. Hi, Mike. Um, I'm calling regarding my limelight hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. I called you last January, and you told me to trim them back at the end of February, beginning of March. So I cut them down to about 18 inches high, and they went gangbusters this year. I mean, I would say those three plants are, well, over five foot tall and eight foot wide now. Um, is Am I safe to trim any of that back? You, you want to prune it now? Well, I mean, I just thought I'd clean some of that up before winter sets in. I mean, it's they're kind of they were beautiful, absolutely beautiful. But should I just go back to leaving it like they are and go back to March or um, end of February first of March? I would say yes. Just okay. And then how low can I go? I would not go any lower than what you did. If you went down to eighteen inches, that's pretty low. I mean, they were beautiful, and prior to this, this was their third year, I hardly had any bloom. Right. So I did what you said. So my next question is amaryllis. I was given one last Christmas, and so I took it out of the pot in spring and planted it in the ground. Mm. Now, did I do the right thing, and can I bring it in now and replant it so it blooms in Christmas, January? Yeah, you're just going to basically bring it in, and uh, I'm assuming the foliage is gone and everything's gone. So just dig up the bulb, put it in a pot, you know, like a four- or six-inch pot with yes. potting mix, and just leave it alone. Okay, well, it did – I mean, I've got these big leaves that it. they did grow right. out here outdoors. So when you bring it in – and repot and pot it up, then cut the foliage off. Cut the foliage off. Right. Okay. And then just hope for the best. Right. Exactly. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, let's head out to Kathy's yard. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Mike. And this question is not about a hydrangea. <laughs> it's about a staghorn fern. Ooh. Yes, I love them. Yes. I've had this one for at least seven years. And I bought it and it was planted in soil in a pot, not on a branch. Really? It's basically stayed the same size. It's very healthy. I give a lot of light. I do spray water on its leaves and the soil underneath. I don't know if it really matters, but I do keep that... You know, moist, not really, uh, maybe water it once every three, four, maybe once a week sometimes. Right. But it, it stays the same. Is a it frond, a beautiful, any, I'm sorry? Is it dropping any of the fronds? It does every, like, three or four months when a few new ones come out and that opening, if you will, right. gets a little crowded. Then that one underneath will kind of drop, but it it always looks super healthy. But it just just stays the same. Now now the um the, the foliage that comes out of it, the uh, brown that brown crusty stuff that you know that that I guess that foundation leaves, if you will. Right. Um, that's getting bigger. So what but, do you what do you want more? I don't understand. If that's getting bigger, then that's about all you can really anticipate or expect. You want to have okay because I've seen some that are just gigantic, and I'm thinking, oh, I wish it was like that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's those are probably a hundred years old. 
No, oh. I'm kidding as far as age, but it's a very right. much of an age factor. Is it? You're right. So, I mean, you can go to the Botanical Garden and see some of them that they have on displays during the orchestra show them. and things like that. And they're massive, but they're extremely old. And they've got them kind of, I like see. you said, you know, mounted on, you know, like on a, let's say, a limb or a bark or, or things along that right. line. And that gives it, a, you know, more of an opportunity. But also the fact that they're doing it that way, they have them in greenhouses with humidity correct and everything else temperature-wise. So that's kind of the advantage or slash disadvantage. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Now, is it okay? I guess it's kind of a stupid question, but is it okay in that soil? Is that common? Yeah, it is, because usually that's how you buy them. I mean, you can't okay. buy them mounted on a board or whatever, but for the right. most part, you're going to find them at the most general, let's say, all, all-purpose all garden centers. You're going to find them like kind of in a four-inch maybe pot. And that's, yeah, It was in a six-inch pot. Oh, was it in a six? Well, that uh-huh. was pretty big starting off then. Right, I thought so too. It was, it was just, it's, it's still just gorgeous. It has some things coming out of it. So do I fertilize that soil with that? Yeah, you know, reflect the plant. I mean, you okay, fertilizer I have for, been. You know, for acid-loving plants. Okay, well, that's about all you need to do. All right. Well, you've been very helpful. Thank you again. Well, great. My pleasure. Okay. Bye bye. Let's, let's head over to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Hi, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. On uh, evergreen trees and evergreen shrubs, I'm finding a lot of these all one and a half inch to two inch long cocoons. Mm. And I'm just wondering if they're harmful to the plants or are these cocoons just hanging on the branches? I'm wondering if I should cut them off or just just let them go. No, cut them off. They're bagworms. So the the bagworm, what that is, is the male is actually a moth. The female, it never gets flighted. But the female forms this bag, and then when when she mates, then she lays eggs in the bag and then every one of those bags, you know, if it's left alone, can, you know, when they hatch in the springtime, could have any place between, you know, let's say 10 and 20 different new bagworms. And they, what they do is they'll crawl out and then go along the branch and then, like, chew pieces. And if they're females, then they're going to form another bag, which is problematic because they're eating pieces off. And if they're males, they're just going to fly off as a moth, more or less. Well, brown is, is that the cause of the the brown uh, dead branch areas on these plants? It plant could be, trees? but I mean, this time of year you're going to have the interior part of evergreens are uh, are going to turn brown anyway. But bagworms are detrimental, so you can just go out there with a pair of scissors, cut them off. You can't get an insecticide that can penetrate that bag. Okay. So there's nothing. Growing up, we you know, even though my parents' house was built in '55. They put some Fitzer junipers in front of the house, and they had bagworms on them. So my father would pay us, I think it was a nickel per bag. <laughs> we had a lot of bagworms on brand-new shrubs. It was kind of incredible. Yeah, I've got a lot of them. Yeah. And uh, the, the brown areas are like from the ground area up a couple feet and only on the sun side. I've never noticed that in past years. Yeah. Will that be green next year? No. Once something is turned brown on an evergreen, that part never turns green again. No green comes in next season? No. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. So you're going to have a sort of an, an – basically, once the needles all fall off, you're just going to have, a let's say, an open area. What caused that this year and not 
previous years. Who knows? I mean, every year has its own mother nature and everything else. The weather makes all kinds of crazy stuff happen that's never happened before, or it happens year in, year out. So I could just, if it's brown on one side, I could just cut up the up the uh, the, the the trunk around to that level and right. start making uniform anyway. Exactly, you could certainly do that. But these little cocoons, and I got to get out there with the scissors and cut every one off and right. just leave them lay on the yeah. ground or throw them in the fire. I, well, you could do that. Either <laughs> that. Just get rid of them. All right. Okay, Mike. Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, bagworms, the the gentleman that lives across the street from me, he's had three big fitzers in front of his house. The one that's left, they've had the other two or three taken out, has bagworms dangling all over it. It really is creepy, perfect for Halloween. But Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, see you after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. The second hour of the Garden Hotline is the tip of the trowel hour, and I'll be giving the tip of the trowel shortly, but right now you can give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. Mr. Kelly, before you take off, did you get to see the full moon? Yeah, a little bit. The other night driving home, I worked late. And so, yeah, I saw it coming home. And yeah. uh, even this morning when I got out, I always look up. I, I have the lights on so I can see my way through the back porch. I turn them <laughs> off and look at the sky. And it was cloudy, but it was bright because the moon behind the clouds was still really bright. So Perfect. very pretty. Yeah. 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 I mean, I forget what this this moon was. The harvest moon. So this is the harvest I moon. I think so. I think that's what I read. Oh. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think that was it. Yeah. Yeah, because they are out there. The combines are out. I, <laughs> when I was going home the other night... There was a guy near us who it was it was like five till eleven, and he was still out there harvesting his corn. Five till eleven in the morning. No, at night. What? Yeah, he had his lights on his combine, and wow, he's out there probably listening to that country music and he's driving around in circles. <laughs> you live in a perfect place. I I do. I have to say I, I love it. So your eclipse is that the the equipment that you've recently bought? The eclipse. No, not Eclipse. Not Eclipse. I don't think so. Pedal, some kind of pedal. Oh, uh, elliptical. Oh, elliptical. Yeah, ah, elliptical. Sorry. Yes. So it's still outside? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's probably, I don't know when we're going to bring it in or not. It's so nice to use it out there. Sure. You know, even though, you know, there's only a couple hummingbirds left still. You got all the other birds and everything. And especially when I do it at six in the morning. It's right around sunrise. I don't get out there till 7. I get up at 6. Right. And uh, it's just a great way to start the day. It's beautiful out there. Well, I'm glad you're yeah. still having hummingbirds. This is the first week I haven't seen one. So. We don't have many. I, and actually, yesterday, I did see one go by real quick. I'm hearing them more than I'm seeing them now. Really? So there's only a couple left. You're hearing yeah. them peep-peep? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Distinctive little sound. All right. Well, thanks, Brian. You bet. And thanks to you folks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs, and all arounds. For annuals, and, um, you know, if you buy mums at the garden centers right now in pots, you might as well consider those annuals because they're not going to get their root systems established enough to be true perennials because mums are real perennials. They're not annuals, and it's only they're perennials if you grow them early in the season, and then they'll come back year after year after year. But big pots of them into the ground or leave them in the pots, they're not going to be able to be get their root system established. Uh, speaking of bulbs, 
uh, we're almost to the time where we can start putting our spring flowering bulbs in. Your edibles, your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path that's an option to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is across the big board. He produces. That means he answers the phone, plus pushes all the buttons and everything else. And uh, so when you call, your first name and where you're calling from is all he needs. I spend time doing landscape consulting, walk and talk. So if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, that's my email address and phone number. And you can contact me and we'll come over to your home and share 40-plus years of experience. Oh, I'm getting so old. 40-plus years of experience uh, related to your plant material, your landscape, and everything else. Tip of the trial is special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to actually a person who worked here at slash CBS KMOX in the sales department for years. She did a great job of selling some spots and everything for the Garden Hotline as well as for other shows as well. We, we Tracy and I were coming out of a... A retail store. And this this woman in front of me, it was like every time I would turn, I thought she was trying to get around me or something. She was she would move right in the direction where I had turned to. So I thought, what is going on here? It's like this is really kind of you know weird. Now we all have masks on because we just came out of the store. So finally she says, Mike, how are you? And I thought I've got a mask on. How does she recognize who I am? Because I don't have a clue who she is. So ultimately, I said, take off your mask. And it turned out to be Mary Vatterot. Mary Vatterot and, you know, her family and everything else, we've had great interactions with. Haven't seen them too much over the last few years. But so she was, as I said before, in the sales staff here at CBS slash KMOX. And so anyway, when she took her mask off, then a when I could see her, you know, her face, then I could recognize who she was. So we stood and talked for, you know, a period of time and everything else. So it was really nice to see her. She's had kind of a rough few years. Her husband, Ralph, passed away, and uh, he'd had like three years of not really good times. So she finally made it through that. And uh, so anyway, tip of the trial goes out to Mary Vatterot and— uh, for all the great fun her and her husband and her family and everything else has shared with us. And then also a tip of the trial goes out to Brightside St. Louis. Brightside St. Louis has had their bulbs to be, if you chose to pick them up, purchase them, pick them up at the greenhouses there in Forest Park. And uh, I think, you know, I'm not positive, but I think there's a package of bulbs that have been, you know, that they had dropped off at my house. So I pay a little extra so I don't have to sort of orchestrate getting over to the Forest Park to pick it up. So Brightside St. Louis, they've got the organ of the, you know, the big Brightside place on Southwest and Kings Highway. Perfect garden and everything else. But uh, tip of the trial goes out to Mary Vetterot and Brightside St. Louis for the bulbs I got. I think I called Brightside Red and then I got, uh, I think, Carlton Daffodils. So I get kind of the same ones every year. I grow them in pots. And uh, this this past year, the previous year, last year, I did pull them out of pots. I've checked the bulbs. It looks like the bulbs look pretty good. So I'm going to use those 
and then also the new recent ones that I purchased from them. So anyway, let's let's take a call before we go to t- on a break. Let's go to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. I'm sorry. I, I uh, You answered my questions earlier. I forgot about one plant variety. It's Abelia kaleidoscope. Um, and I wanted to ask you about uh, pruning them. They are spectacular this year. They're up to about three feet. Right. And I hate to whack on them if I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I wouldn't. The abelia is a great, spectacular shrub. It's an evergreen. Not too many people know about it. It has kind of a small white trumpet, you know, a trumpet-shaped flower, and flowers for extended periods of time. I just leave it alone. Okay. Thank you very much. They're never going to get huge. They should never be problematic. You know, there are people that have used them for hedges, which, you know, I think that's a waste of their sort of the aesthetics, but it's personal choice. And uh, they're one of my favorite shrubs. I like Edward Goucher. So. Okay. Uh, I was uh, one, one uh, grower told me to cut them all the way down to the ground and they'll come back. I pretty much ruined them. Um, <laughs> so I don't want to do that again. No. Leave them <laughs> no. alone. Okay. <laughs> Thank you again. Yep, my pleasure. And how about one more? Let's go to Mary in Chesterfield. Hi, Mary. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I have a question. Could you please help me get my cyclamen to bloom? I have two. One didn't bloom last year, and the other one did not bloom for two years. So please help me. Oh, are you fertilizing? Well, yes, I give a, a I give a, a little diluted fertilizer almost every time I water. That's too, you're probably doing too much. Cyclamen are really kind of there's little small bulbs, you know, kind of like a right. a squashed you know tennis ball, I want to say, or a ping pong ball. And I've you know I've had some that I've had for years. The fine the thing I find is they kind of they'll go through their own cycle and everything else. If you have it in a bright window, you don't necessarily have to over-fertilize at all and just leave them in a small pot and just leave them alone. And probably, I water mine. I've got a couple of them. I probably water them when the pot is really light. So in other words, I know that it's really dry. Then I water it to the point where it really is soaked, and then I don't water it again. Well, that sounds like what I've been doing. Well, uh... (laughs) Yeah, why it's not why they're not flowering? I don't, you know. All of a sudden, I start to see, and when the for people that don't know the cyclamen, when the uh, f- the flower stalk comes up, it almost looks like a goose's head or throat or neck and head. So it literally, and then they open up and the petals turn backwards, so they're really striking. So right. why yours are not flowering? I don't know. They have good foliage on them. Oh yes, yeah. yes. Yes, that's why I really like them. Do right. yours bloom every year? They bloom several times a year, like two or three oh different times. How far away from outdoor light do you have them? And do you put them outdoors in the summer? No, I just summer? leave them inside, but I have them right next to the windowsill. So even when it's super cold winter time, uh, they're right next to the window. And the windows, well, fa- let's say the windows facing, it would be probably southwest. More well, west than south. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I'm duplicating what you're doing, except that mine don't bloom. Right. So we'll see this year. And I, I appreciate it. I was hoping there was something 
else that I could be doing. Uh, do you think if I fertilize with a little stronger fertilizer, say like once a month now, because they're supposed to bloom in February or yeah. so? Yeah, well, that's blooming sequence timing and stuff. I would say stop fertilizing for a while. All right. I'll, I will try it, and I appreciate everything that you uh, do on the radio because I enjoy you. I've listened to you, of course, for uh, not quite a hundred years like the other guy, but <laughs> for a long time. Thank you so much. Well, thanks, Mary. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, cyclamen can be a little bit frustrating. Uh, they're spectacular. I really like them because they're really unique in their own way. And uh, so yeah, while you're not getting any blooms, that is frustrating. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. we got some lines open, and right now we're headed over to Donna's yard. Hi, Donna. Hi. I have a couple of questions. My first question is um, the best way to winterize a crepe myrtle bush and the low-impact butterfly bush. Do you prune them in the fall wait to the spring, and the best way to winterize those two bushes. Winterizing, you really don't have to do anything. Both of them are really pretty tough. If you, you know, putting a couple inches of mulch or, you know, around them, that's fine. That's all you really need to do. And with both of them, you can prune them going into wintertime, or you can wait until in the, when we come out of winter, very early, late winter, early spring, before the new growth begins. So you got about, you know, four or five months when you can do the pruning. Okay, great. And this is the first year that I uh, actually planted a huge mum into the ground, and I was wondering the best way to winterize it once it's done blooming. Now, are you talking about uh, a mum that you just bought this fall or late yes, summer? Sir. Yes, uh, sir. It's, the chances of surviving is going to be very iffy. But uh, you know, put an inch or so of mulch around it. Don't do any pruning at all. Leave it alone. And what you can do is then in the springtime go out there, or late winter, early spring, and if you see a bunch of small leaflets coming off where the stems which have remained is, you know, are growing, then that means it has made it through the winter. If you just see the stems, you know, the original stems that it has right now, it doesn't have any leaflets right at the ground level, then it didn't make it through the winter, it died. Okay. Alrighty. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate this. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, and mm-hmm. with the in the future with the mums, let's say this one survives. When it gets about uh, four or five inches high, you want to pinch it about halfway back. Then let it get about five or six inches. Then pinch it about a third of the way back, and then pinch it. You know, let it get all the way up until the the final pinching on the mum should be near maybe uh, let's say late late June, very early July. Then no pruning, but the mums really need a lot of fertilizer too. So consistently, oh, f- you know, okay. fertilize them. righty. thank you so much. I appreciate yep. it. My pleasure. And now let's go over to David's yard. Hi, David. Hello, Mike. I have a viburnum pregens. I think is is the way that you say it. Mm-hmm. That was about five to six feet tall. That was in an area where it received too much water, so Ooh. I transplanted it. And it's it's alive now, and it's doing well. But I was told that you could cut that back severely in the fall, uh, and it would come back better in the in the spring. Is that true? I don't like to prune anything severely. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, anything, anything. But vi- any, I mean, viburnum's a shrub, so if you prune it back severely, it, it's just gonna it's gonna throw the whole sequence off. So why would you want to prune something back severely anyway? Okay, I just did, I didn't know it was you know kind of like a butterfly bush or uh, you know something like that where it uh, it rejuvenates and, and comes back each, right. each year. Which you don't have to. I mean, even on those, we just had a caller about. Them. Butterfly bushes and crepe myrtle. You don't have to prune them. We, we're, I think, addicted to pruning, and that's you know the real problem. We cause more problems than we do good with our you know, pruning techniques. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Enjoy your program. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on right. your show. And right. now let's go from David's to Dave's yard. Hi, Dave. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Um, thank you for your program and sharing your knowledge with everyone. Um, I have a couple questions. My daughter has uh, like a hedgerow of burning bushes. Mm-hmm. And they've been trimmed. They're probably seven, seven and a half foot tall. Wondering if you can cut them back where they're not, so they don't have to trim them seven foot tall. Or and that it doesn't look as though they've been really pruned or hacked on much in their life span. Yeah, I mean they can be. I mean, burning bush can take it, but uh, if they're you know six or seven feet high probably the best thing to do is maybe cut a foot off or two feet off and then do it over, you know, a series of times so you can get it, she can get it down to the size that she wants. Okay. But don't take it and try to prune seven feet down to two feet initially with one cutting because the stems that are left, the buds on there probably will be dysfunctional, and if they leaf out, then they're just going to be like dead sticks with a few leaves, you know, coming up out of the ground. Okay. And this is the time of year it's best to do that? Well, I mean, aren't they in their best fall color? Well, well I mean, maybe once winter shows up. Yeah, yeah once they, they, once they drop the leaves, that you can prune them at that time, and you can prune them any time after that until the new growth begins in the spring. Okay. Another question, if I may. Um, uh, hummingbird vine, which is kind of a weed they grow along the roads. I have a trellis. Is it best just to leave them go, or does it help them to trim, cut them back? Um, you know, is it well established? It's probably yes, it maybe five years old. Yeah, so it probably it's a uh, orange trumpet shaped flower. Um, actually, I think one's a Japanese, and one one's orange, and one's red, and they ah. kind of crossbred, so they're kind of red. Right, flowers. I would say just leave them alone. Leave them alone. Yeah. And one other question, if I may, um, on Japanese maple, we've got a bigger one that's planted on the corner of the house. Are they pretty, they they take a long time to grow? Uh, they're pretty delicate. If you, a person was wanting to transplant that, it all depends on how big it is because you got to get a substantial root ball, and if it's big, then the right. root ball is going to be very very heavy. Right. So, okay, because it's right on the corner and it's growing over in front of the garage. Oh, over so the sidewalk, it's but it's a pretty plant and kind of up over the roof. Right. Oh, yeah. So whoever put it in, put it in a. Not the best place. That was my wife. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hopefully she's not listening. Oh, she yeah. did a very good job. No. Yeah. <laughs> she, well, she's got green thumb more than I do. So, okay, right. well, thank you very much sure. for your information. Yeah. Yeah, anytime we try to dig up an established tree and move it, it's you're almost better to buy a new one and just kind of get rid of the existing. Over, yeah, because it's probably 50-50 that it might even survive. Right, exactly. Okay, well, thank you very much. Yep. Bye-bye. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. 
Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And if you happen to miss part of the show or you have a friend that missed the show, you can go to, what is it, kmox.com and hit the podcast. And uh, you can hear the whole show. So, wow, how can that be? And I won't even be there, except foolish wise. Let's go to Sappington and into Lee's yard. Hi, Lee. Thank you. Uh, what do I do about coneflowers and liatris? Uh, when do I cut them back? Uh, the coneflowers, you know, the stems are, you know, they're turned black now, and you have the seed heads. You don't have to cut them back. But I did cut mine back. I cut the seed heads off and let them fall onto the ground. And then, the, you know, the goldfinches like it before they are on the ground, but they do come and, you know, eat some of the seeds from the purple cone, uh, you know. And yeah, the, they've, been, they've been coming. Yeah, they're, they're, I don't see it anymore. Yeah. So, and the liatris, the same kind of thing. The birds really, they, they don't really have any seeds that are uh, attractive. I mean, they kind of look like single spears coming up out of the ground. Right. So right. you can so cut those. You can cut those if you want to. You can cut them both if you want to. Now with the coneflowers, the foliage is still green, so don't cut the right. foliage. Just cut the stems. Okay, just ahead of it. Right. Right. Okay. Thank you so much. Yep, my pleasure. Thank you. And now let's. Looks like we're jumping to Illinois and going into Jill's yard. Hi, Jill. Hey, Mike. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yes. So we are interested in taking some white pine saplings and transplanting them, but wondering how late we can do that coming into the winter. Uh, you can do it all the way up until the ground probably freezes. So I would say, uh, or starts to freeze because again, when the ground really gets cold, then there's not going to be any root system, ad- you know, advancement. So sometime between uh, Halloween and Thanksgiving, that'd be the latest I would want to do any tr- kind of transplanting. Sounds great. Thanks. Yep. And let's see, where should we go now? Darlene's yard. Hi, Darlene. Yes. Uh, my daughter just bought a new house, and she has Japanese maples and different kinds of strawberry. Can she, uh, you know, plant that and sit that out now? Now, she she has them in pots? Is that what Yeah, she's... they're in pots. Uh, yeah, get them in the ground as soon as she possibly can. Oh, okay. okay. Again, I mean, you... You can do it all the way up until, like, just like the lady I was talking to. Uh, probably no later than uh, early November would be the latest I'd want to put anything in. It might be safe and everything else, but uh, the Japanese maples are a little bit iffy, mm-hmm. and you just want the ground to be warm so they can get the root system new growth triggered so they can get their, themselves established. And if uh, uh hedges, too, she can sit them out, too. What was that? I think they call for for It's like a hedge, and they forsythia. Yeah, yeah, forsythia. Yes, and just make sure she digs the hole three times the diameter of the root ball. So, in other words, the size of the pot, but only Mm -hmm. about eighty percent as deep. So, she wants the top part of the root ball above the surrounding ground, and that's for anything shrub or tree that would be planted. Yeah, okay. And I have one more question. Uh, Crate Merle, I have a small one that's growing. Can I dig that up now and plant and sit it out? And it do have blooms on it. Okay, now, you, it's in a pot? Is that what you're saying? No, it's in the ground. It's in, it's just growing. You know how it grows up from the old little pot. 
Right. It's just a small one growing, and it has a balloon on it, and I want to dig it up. I would say don't do it now. I would say wait until springtime and do it, uh, let's say, sometime before mid-March. Oh, okay. Thank you, Mike. My pleasure. I enjoyed your show. Well, thanks, Darlene. Mm-hmm. And thanks Bye. for having me on your show. It's not oh, nice. okay. Thank you. Sure. And Bye. let's head over to Jenny's yard. Hi, Jenny. Yes. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Okay. I have two coleus, and they're very big. They just grew so big. They're in big pots. Will they, I be able to save them through the winter? You mean to pull them out of the pots and bring them inside? Oh, okay, and then, yeah. That's still going to be really iffy. They got so big, they grew so fast. Right. I mean, this year was a great year for coleus, apparently. Now, I'm assuming they've got all, you know, they have flowers on the end of the stems, right? Uh, Well, the the one is, uh, I guess, I think they call it a call, and it's got big leaves. And it's got, uh, uh, yeah, some flowers coming up, but they're... uh, I think there's real skinny ones with little bitty flowers right, on. Exactly. The other one is just leaves. I'll tell you, once the coleus go to flower, then that kind of sends them downhill. So you could pull them out of the pots, put them in a pot, you know, with potting mix, and try to bring them inside. But I think you're going to be somewhat disappointed, but it's yeah. worth a try. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Appreciate it. Yeah. The coleus have squares, you know. I mean, they're really kind of tough, but. Uh, even oh, as, they're beautiful, and there are so many different kinds. Oh, absolutely. Color-wise, there's, I mean, you can't beat the foliage. Oh, no, I know. This one grew, it's almost three feet tall. Right. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, there's some striking ones this year. So, okay, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Bye. And now let's go to, let's go over and see what's going on with Joseph. Hi, Joseph. Hey, Mike. Hi. Love your show. Yes, go ahead, please. <laughs> <laughs> I have about a dozen spider plants I want to bring inside. Uh, and is there anything special I should do to these? Uh, they're monsters. <laughs> uh, spider plants are, I mean, they're pretty easy to transition from outside to inside. So are they in pots? Is you're going to leave them in the same pot or are you going to have All to... in pots, yes. Yeah, so... I'm going to have to do it, but when should I do that? When should I uh, put them in newer pots? Uh, not now. Definitely. No, Wait no. until next year when you, if you're going to move them back outside, that's when you'd put them in a, you know, and you don't really have to. They can grow pretty, I mean, they'll get pretty massive even in smaller pots. Mm-hmm. Should I cut off any of the tendons that are the babies that are coming out um, for, for the winter? I would probably just leave them alone. And then after you bring them inside, if some of them start to go downhill, cut those off. But just, I mean, they kind of just add a little bit of pizzazz. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and um, check for bugs, stuff like that. Spray yeah, exactly. Seven. And you know, okay. the, get you know some of the insecticidal soap, pour it on the surface in case there's any fungus gnats or anything like that. But uh, they're, I mean, they're pretty tough and durable. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about watering? Uh, you, you can almost not overwater them because you can take the cuttings, the little bitty baby ones, and actually grow them in glasses of water. But uh, right. just be careful. Don't, you know, definitely just don't overwater. So maybe you kind of just go by touch and feel. Put your finger in, feel the potting mixer growing in. If it feels really, let's say, 
super dry, go ahead and water. Or watch the inside of the pot, and when the potting mix shrinks away from the inside of the pot, then give them a good soaking. Uh, before I brought them in, I was giving them a big drink. I just soak them in pots for about, oh, 10 minutes at a time, and then just pull them out with uh, uh, what uh, plant food that I've given to them for, uh, for feed and right. just let that run through. Just stop doing that altogether now? Yeah, no fertilizer in the wintertime. Okay, bud. Love your show. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having oh, me on your hey, show. Bob, what, uh, when should we bring them in? What time weather? Uh, just watch out. Don't let them be out when it get, it's going to get frosty. So just get them inside before that point. Give me a temperature time. Uh, I would probably, if it got, you know, in mid-30s, I'd have them inside. Aye, aye. Thank you kindly. Sure. Mike Miller, guess what? We're going to have to take a break. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Let's head over to Marjorie's yard. Hi, Marjorie. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. Wonderful. Oh, I have a Japanese maple. Maybe you touched on this. I heard you talking about one with someone earlier, but I didn't get the whole conversation before I walked in the room. Oh, I'd like to know when's the best time to uh, trim it. Uh, I have some really tall branches that are heading near wires, and I'd kind of like to uh, get rid of those. And uh, is it is now okay, or should I wait till it loses its leaves, or when? Well, you should wait till it loses its leaves. And the maples in general, mach, maples, beech, and birch trees really prefer to be pruned in the summertime. Oh, really? Yes. So there's less sap flow. I mean, it, they can be pruned in the winter. There's no getting around it. But uh, ideally, you would hold off and do it. Uh, it doesn't have to be summer technically. But when the weather starts getting warm, let's say, mid, let's say mid-May, sometime around Memorial Day, all the way up until uh, Labor Day. That's the well, ideal time to yeah. prune. Well, I wouldn't mind putting the job off, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I was really concerned. Uh, I could have done it in the summer, but I just didn't know. And right. sorry I didn't call in sooner, but uh, uh, it's a beautiful tree. I just love it. Right. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, you know, the, the limbs are, are not really, uh, you know, they're not large in diameter at all. Right. And, uh, and But the foliage is so beautiful. And uh, and I kind of have it as a in a berm along a side of Kusa dogwood, and together they really make a nice uh, uh, something to view and and a little bit of privacy from them, and uh, it, it's really lovely. So uh, I, I think I'll just do that. I think I'll wait till maybe May or so and uh, and try that. Yeah. I appreciate your help. Sure. And again, you can prune. There's you know the tree service will say we can prune the maples. But, uh, you know, I've just found myself that uh, doing it in the summertime, for me, is just the best time to do it. So now let's, well, that's great. All right, let's head over to Bob's yard, and he lives in Creve Corps. Hi, Bob. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I'm calling about a, uh, I have a, a lilac tree or a bush, I guess, maybe it's about five and a half feet tall with uh, western exposure, full afternoon sun. Uh, and I was wondering about uh, trimming that. Uh, when's the best time to do that? It flowered beautifully this spring, but I'm curious about uh, it's got a lot of bushy growth on top, and 
if it's uh, something that gets trimmed like a, a bush or pruned like a tree or what? Uh, it's not that much difference between training, you know, pruning a bush or a tree. But basically, anything that flowers in the springtime, you want to prune right after they flower. So uh, you've got after they finish flowering, get it done before, let's say, early June at the latest. And uh, the reason why you're doing that is because if you prune it now, you're cutting off the flower buds for next year, which have already been forming. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. And with the lilacs, just in general, as they colonize, they're going to send out suckers around the base. You start, as time goes on, removing the bigger trunks, the wider ones, and then let the younger ones, because they're going to be much more reliable as far as flowering goes, because... They hit a certain age, and then they're not going to start. They'll stop flowering, basically. Okay, thanks. Yep. And let's see. Eric, how are you today? I'm well. How are you doing, Mike? Very good. I, uh, a couple of years ago, I planted a Canadian hemlock tree. Mm-hmm. And so this is the end of the second summer. I've noticed some of the branches, the leaves are turning yellow. Not not the whole tree, but just kind of hit and miss around the tree. Any thoughts on that? Well, the hemlocks don't like it here all that much, and our screwy weather is why. But if they're on the interior, then this is something that happens with all the conifers this time of year. So don't worry about that. If it's an entire branch that's turned brown, just cut that branch off. Okay. So you're not thinking it's got an issue or anything? No. Other than the fact that hemlocks don't like St. Louis. (laughs) <laughs> okay, great. I picked a good one then, I guess. <laughs> right, exactly. I want <laughs> right. to grow something that's really tough and difficult, so Hemlock's yeah. a perfect one. Great. Thanks. Yep. And let's see, uh, Karen, if you can do it quickly, we can get to you. Hello. I have a lilac bush that my mother gave me that uh, from Denver. I grew up in Denver, and... It's been beautiful for 25 years, but this year what's happened is I looked over and all half of the leaves were dead and falling off on the top that looks fair. But now I have a, a, I've seen about three little, very small flowers that are growing, but I don't know what's happened to the plant. Can you help me out? It's probably age as much as anything. Oh, because my mom's lasted forever and ever. Right. Uh, you know, it's just a, you know, a reality of the circumstance. So uh, any of the bigger trunks, cut those off. The, the smaller ones that are coming out of the base, leave those alone and see if you can help it revive. And lilacs like a, a alkaline soil. So if you have a fireplace or something or wood ash, put that around it. That might help it as well. Okay. The the little flowers are really beautiful. I don't understand that. Yeah, it's kind of out of sequence, so it's a little bit messed up. This spring was a little bit tough on a lot of the spring flowering things because with so much rain, there was hardly any sun, and that all helps just the overall health of the, the shrubs and trees and everything else just in general. Okay, thank you very much. Yep. Bye. Bill and Bob and Larry, sorry we're not going to be able to get to you today. For everybody else, I am going to say this again. If you know, even if it is going to rain, which I don't think it's going to myself, but if it is and it does, that's spectacular. But get out there and you know, soak your ground first, your bed spaces, your lawn, and everything else, because it's going to be to the advantage. It's going to help the new water falling from the sky rain, which we haven't had in so long. I think in September we only had a half inch. 
But anyway, so by this ground being softened and the water will penetrate, the rainwater will penetrate deeper, and that's going to be to the advantage of your plant material. So everybody enjoy and just take it easy. And I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.